A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, one advantage of of buying uh, Surface Pro from the Microsoft Store is you don't have to battle the crowds to get to the product. Ooh, sick burn. (laughs) And they're always in stock, yeah. probably. They <laughs> so, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 105 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra, and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello there. And we have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And somewhere stuck in traffic, it's Jaime Lopez, who won't be here. How's it going? How's it going, eh? Yeah. Oh, he doesn't say eh. Oh, right. How's it going? Any right. good burritos I, I did it better, because, you know, you're making him sound like Rocky Balboa or something. Yeah, I know. It's not like I know. that. Not like that at all. <laughs> I was having some um, some poor network performance uh, about 10 minutes ago, and I've I've powered or repowered all of the things. Yeah. So I'm hoping that uh, it's better now. Hmm. Um, I've just done a speed test at beta.speedtest.net yeah. and I'm showing zero megabits per second download, but, uh, approximately 10 megabits upload. Say Everything what? is fine. <laughs> There's something wrong with their thingamajigger. Yeah. It's weird. I was, I was, uh, at the cottage on the weekend and of course I'm relying on LTE and 3g and all that kind of stuff up there. And it was in the middle of a thunderstorm. So that was compounding the issue, I believe. And, um, yeah, it was weird. I was, I, I even ran speed tests cause you know, I was getting, I was, it was saying like zero bytes uploading and yet I could see that there were, I was on the, you know, the traffic was happening and the file was actually uploading. Very strange stuff. I don't understand what was strange there. The fact that it was working at all. Well, the fact that it was, no, the fact that it was working, it was actually, it was physically uploading the file all the way yeah. to zero bytes being transferred. And then when ah, I ran speed transfer. test, it sh- and sh- ran speed test because I was an LTE, I was getting reasonably good upload and download speeds from from the test right so like i'm using my ipad or my iphone depending on which one i connect tether off of right to when i'm at the cottage because my mac clearly doesn't have built-in you know cellular connection right yeah it's always a challenge and Mm -hmm. i never i never know if i'm going to the cottage until the last minute so that's always fun (laughs) yeah so you have one of those uh, portable access points no, no, I use my, I use my phones. We, we, oh. we've, we've had tethering since the oh, okay. Okay. second iPhone came out, the three. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's we've right. Yeah, yeah. You guys actually have tethering. 
Yeah, you guys still don't do that through AT and T or whoever you're with. Well, I think you can get it, but my plan—I have an old plan uh, yeah. that I keep around because it's it's one of the grandfathered unlimited sure. data plans. You know, so kind of yeah. forever. Well, they don't yeah. let you tether with that, unfortunately. Mm, of course, yeah. yeah. And and it's funny because it doesn't really take up that much bandwidth. Yeah. Right? So they keep trying to get me to switch over to a limited plan and offering that as an incentive. I think Aaron's on a grandfathered plan as well, right, Aaron? It is grandfathered, but it's not that old. Uh, it's yeah. only, um, it'll be going on to its third year now. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I'm, in, I'm probably in my bad. eighth year now, so it's pretty old. Give it my six gig plan. Because, yeah, when the five, iPhone 3 first came here, they, they offered a, if you signed up right away, you got like a, I think a six gig um, plan. And I've never, I've never, I mean, now that I'm, I'm using sharing between Carol and myself to save some money, um, we do hit the, uh, threshold a lot and uh but then they just charge an extra 10 bucks a month or whatever mm. for your overages mark have you looked at your actual usage uh yeah it's actually it, it's 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 not that high i mean i could i could get away with switching over to one of these you know a five gig plan would be more than plenty sure. i think but you know it's i just hate to give up this unlimited thing while i still have it just in case yeah no, no. I mean, unlimited is is, is good. It's I pretty mean, good. Well, yeah. I used to have I used to have a, on my home internet too, but I got uh, I got upgraded out of that because I had to I had to do a hardware upgrade, and they oh we have to change your plan on the hardware upgrade. Yeah. So I kind of got I got screwed of that too. So Comcast, which I have uh, for home, is unlimited, but I think I think they throttle it if you use too much. I haven't yeah, I haven't really yeah. done it myself, but I've heard about it. Yeah, we've had we've had a lot of complaints from people I know use of the internet a lot especially for things like if they're watching netflix or downloading movies and stuff like that they they find they believe they're getting throttled yeah and i, and I could see it but i mean at the, at the end of the day like it also depends on where you live and how many like you know if you're doing stuff at night chances are there's gonna be more people in your neighborhood doing things as well right so. yeah 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 i definitely well i've since it's cable modem and you're sharing the the trunk. Oh yeah. Right? So I, I, yeah, yeah. I definitely notice it around dinner time or first thing in the morning. It gets a little bit slow. But it can't be as bad as it used to be on the old coaxial Ethernet days, right? No, no, it's not no. as bad as that. No. Yeah. Well, in fact, I think I think I don't think home internet has actually reached um, those kind of speeds yet. Like you know, physical hardware speed that we used to get, like 100 megabit, 100 megabits per second or 10 megabits per second. Do we get well, 10 megabits now? Yeah, we, guess we must. We get like 25 or something. Yeah, I mean they they claim that mine is something like seventy five or eighty megabit right now. I, I don't know that it actually is, but that's what they claim. Uh, and uh, if if you can't get it here, but if you can get FiOS, if you can get the fiber, that's a, that's pretty much a gigabit now. You, you know, Rogers is offering one gigabit service. Mm. Yeah, and do you know what that costs? Yes, uh, approximately anyway, about one hundred and thirty five a month. Oh, oh, that's see, that's right. actually pretty good. <laughs> That, if, well, especially especially in loonies, yeah. Yeah, if I could get that, <laughs> I'm here, I would for sure get that in a second. You're with uh, you're with that other company though, aren't you? In, um... Tech savvy, tech savvy, right? Yeah, right. and I actually just sort of downgraded my plan. I was at 150 megabit service, 150 down, 10 up, and uh, that was with a 400 gigabyte uh, limit. But right. I just changed to. Um, I'm sorry, I just changed to 110, and that was with an unlimited usage. Uh, and that was for a slower, a lower price, but uh, I didn't find that I was using or needing a hundred mega or 150 megabit service because at the end of the day, frankly, 
uh, the internet's not capable of, of serving it up at those speeds. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true. Not much. Especially you if know? you're going through Wi-Fi at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my, my home network is pushing speeds far in excess of that. Uh, it's, I don't think it's my home network. It's, it's absolutely just the services out there. You know, like your average web page, right? Your average web page, which is pulling like 30 different ad servers uh, and trackers, etc. You don't notice the difference. And I haven't noticed any difference at all. Uh, going to you know dropping by a third basically what's your what's your monthly throughput look like what do you like what do you how much do you download upload per day kind of thing i can't tell you per day but uh the reason i did this is that i was hitting that 400 gig per month limit. oh you were oh, oh yeah okay. uh, i oh. do the thing the big thing that i do here is um uh network backup so right. yeah, like i've got yeah. three computers uh at home here that are backing up to um oh heck backblaze no the other one Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the one I use. Um, <laughs> we talked about this. Because of the C. Crash yeah. plan. Crash plan. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, so, so if you're yeah, doing that's... a few hundred megabytes per day backing up, then yeah, you'll hit that. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't think that's... it's that much. But yeah, it's oh. definitely up there. And I, to the point where I am regularly crossing 400 gigs. And so, um, but not, not by a huge margin either. Like, just, just enough. I think if, if the regular limit had been 500, I would have been fine. Uh, but I'll take unlimited um, and it's lower cost for that reduced speed which i don't notice anyway now rogers uh unlimited usage one gigabit gigabit per second download 50 megabits upload mm-hmm. that's their top package it's 150 canadian per month now you got a, a it's not available in every area as well but it probably is available for tim because right. he's yeah. in toronto and everybody gets everything right. in toronto yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know you can pay less 97.99 a month you get 250 megabits and twenty up, which uh, yeah. you know, still a good deal. See, I, my, I, I really don't believe their usage figures that they they give me. Like, uh, I'm just going to my usage right now because, because I, you know, as you know, I'm I'm out of the office, I'm out of the house every day. I used to work from home, so I was, you know, was I wasn't really concerned about the amount of usage I was doing, right? Uh, but let's see if I can get this number to come up here. Yeah, they're telling me that. Okay, so here's my report for August, right? You know, I'm basically doing on the 17th. I did 2.7, 2.5 gigabytes daily. Um, on the 15th, I did 4.3 gigabit gigabytes, and on the 12th, I did seven seven gigabytes. Gigabits, gigabytes. Yeah, big capital gigabytes. 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 Yeah. So bits. so far for like you know for a week, I've used 24 gigabytes of of upload and download. That's that's like doing what? Well, there were two Xcode updates this week, right? Two beta. Yeah. No, I, I didn't. I didn't do either one of those. Oh, hmm. yeah. It's just like so. For a while, there actually, I actually went in when this first started happening a couple of years ago. I kind of it, it's it's I'm, I'm assuming it's the it's the the backup, but I've been telling the backup to run at one o'clock in the one a.m. in the morning, not during the day, right? And uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like how like how how am I using this much data? I'm at work all day. Well, if you're doing backups, it's incremental backups. Why would it why would it be backing up uh, everything <laughs> everything I own, right? You know, constantly. Sure and the other thing, of course, I was just going to say that change your change your Wi-Fi router password. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, I've done that several times, and and I don't I don't believe that's what it is. Yeah, like here here for like last month's billing period, I used 182 gigabytes of data. Doing what? I, I really don't believe this. This is I, so here, like on the twenty on the first of August, that must have been the next code update. That was like 21 gigabytes, right? I mean, that I can buy, right? But or or doing system updates or whatever, um, you know, like. Uh, updates from apple and stuff like that but this is what i was saying before like the it's all well and good for these guys to have these fabulous plans and for apples to say to, for us to live our lives online you know 
uh, save all our data in the cloud and use Netflix and don't have disks and things like that. But this is what this is the other side of it is somebody's making some good coin off of us. Network yeah. operators are going to make lots of money for a long time. Yeah. yeah. So do you back up your Xcode installations to the cloud? You must, right? If you're backing up your whole yeah, system. Well, yeah. So. They're, they're, yeah. They're probably part of the file. So I probably, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can, I can go in and mark certain types of uh, files to not be backed up. Like I, I think I do, mind you, I, I, admittedly, there's, you know, there's, there's gigabytes of data I do for the podcast every week, right? But, yeah. uh, and, the, and I assume that gets leaked out to the cloud because, you know, we need to back that up, right? You know, so. but Dropbox uh, alone. Yeah, Dropbox syncing is that's that's ridiculous, right? I, I've actually I update, updated my Dropbox last year to the one terabyte thing, and I think that's another holy hand holy handcuff as well, right? So once you get into that, hmm. like what are you what are you going to do, right? So actually, there was a, a story last week. I think one of you posted about which we didn't talk about, which was the um, the uh, Google offering free up, free storage for photos. I think at, up to a certain size of photo. You're talking about that commercial that they ran last week. Was that what that was? Yeah, I think some some I can't remember which one of you guys put it on the on the notes, but might have been Greg. Greg, Greg, damn you, Theo. Well, that's they're just talking about their their photos, Google Photos product, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and just putting it in the perspective of an iPhone user with 16 gigs of of data on their phone, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, it's a good it's a good angle, I think, because yeah. it uh, takes Apple to task for. Uh, shipping such cheap-ass phones yeah yeah i mean me off yeah so well yeah there's a a few things about that i mean you know i'm now i've I've had an icloud account for i don't know how long and and i'm now you know within 500 megabytes of of hitting the five gig free right so oh my goodness really like just now (laughs) yeah no i mean i don't use it very much you don't use icloud photos right no um no i well i used to i used the um what do you call it the um uh, where you have a thousand pictures synced between devices. Yeah, uh, PhotoStream. PhotoStream, but I don't use I don't use cloud storage. No, I don't no. do that. And yeah. I don't use um. But I mean things like you know like a, a, a apps that use it now. Like there's some Magpie app. I don't know where that came from, but it's gone. You know, now. Is that a data hog? <laughs> What's that? Magpie is gone. I I killed it this weekend. This oh, did last you? weekend. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I pulled it from the store. Interesting. Guess you don't read my blog, eh, Tim? No, I don't actually read your blog, Aaron. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to hurt your feelings, but. Um, I wait for you to tell me stuff on right, and that's why you know, yeah, this is when I find out what's going on with you. But um, yeah, it's just it, it's it's funny because I you know for forever I had like nothing, no storage whatsoever on my iCloud, and you know I, I'd have had it since it was a .dot Mac account, right? So like I I don't really need to keep this stuff in the sky, you know. Like I mean, it's it's convenient having it, you know, switching between devices. But like if I'm working in Pages or you know for writing or whatever. I really just I'm working on one machine at my Mac, for instance, writing writing in Pages. I don't need it synced to my phone and my and my iPad for for what? I mean, so I can edit yeah. it on the streetcar. You know? That is in fact exactly the point. That's exactly what Apple's use case is: that you can pick up any piece of hardware that you own and do anything anywhere. That's the whole yeah. point. Yeah. That's the promise. If you don't want that, don't use it. Well, so but I I thought also thought that early in the day, and I might have been back in the Scott Forsall days, that that if you were in the same network with devices, that they would sync silently over the over the, the local area network. No, yeah, so, yeah, days are gone. I don't know if those days were ever here, man. Anyway, so I mean, it's it's it just surprises me how much uh, data we actually use just daily. Like like I don't know with 
with, te- with tech savvy, if you can get a report, but with, with Bell, I've always been able to go in and see like a monthly report and they give me a day-to-day report of what yep. that's being used. Right. So yep. I can see a daily usage uh, and I look at that and I think, okay, yeah, that seems legit. Yeah. Does it? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, it does. Gigabyte or two per day kind of thing. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Mark, yeah. what about you? I don't know. I don't even know if I can... Yeah, I don't. Uh, I saw a slide actually recently uh, this week about uh, predictions about the future of, of data usage and how mm-hmm. much data different groups of people, like an individual, a a small company, uh, right. a large enterprise, um, how much how much data per day those different t- types of people would use. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I didn't really retain the others, but the individual was like one and a half gigabytes per day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it ends like up, I wish man. I could like, find that. Put that in the show notes. Yeah, no, no I was going to ask you if you could find that. Because, yeah, because, I mean, if you think about it, like, in a family of two like us, you know, then that, that means that's, like, three gigabytes a day. There's that three gigabytes I was just complaining about, right? Because, I mean, when you go online and, and you, you're on Facebook, like, like you know, our Facebook buddy's not here, so we can talk about them. But, you know, it kind of irks me that as soon as I hit Facebook on a device or on, or on the on the web, on my desktop, that, you know, videos start instantly playing, which means that there's data transferring there that, that I may or may not want to have happen, right? As I'm scrolling through the my feed, you know, checking out what my friends are up to, and they've, there's ads and whatever, you know, things start, like, it's like the Harry Potter newspapers, things start animating as soon as you scroll past them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of cute, but, you know, from when I think about it from the back-end perspective, there, that's data being used up. That's that's what I, that's the first thought that comes to my mind is, like, either I'm really interested in what and seeing what's going on, and I click on it and I watch it for a minute or whatever, but, you know, like, it's it, it's crazy. Crazy. I mean, admittedly, like, I guess the, the 12th, the 14th, and the 16th of this month, I would have been watching the Tragically Hip concerts online, so through Periscope, so that would have been, that would be explained some data usage, right? You you went and saw it in person, and then you were watching it online, too. Yes. Madness. Yes, it is madness. Okay. No, it makes sense. They play different songs every night, right? Yeah, they do, yeah, yeah. 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 It, was, it was, it was really... Thing. Well, we'll find it, and we'll put it in notes yeah. for for the folks at home driving in their cars with their wow. Smurf berries. What else do we have to say for Jaime, who's not going to be here today? Yeah, what's up with him? Like, it's like what's two up weeks... With him? It's like what's traffic. traffic. Is that it? Traffic? He just... Well, t- he today's traffic. Yeah. I don't know what it was last, last week. He might have had to work or something. He was at a thing. A thing? Yeah, I think you mentioned he was at a thing. Yeah, I, I, he didn't say what the reason was this week, but uh, yeah, apparently he's staring into the um, sultry tones of red red brake lights. Okay. Hmm. So who knows? Maybe he'll join call us. it on his phone and give us the man in the driving the car perspective. Oh yeah, yeah he could. Yeah, yeah. let me just t- let me just text him here. <laughs> Guys, it's almost too late. It is almost too late to get in on the best indie iOS Mac developer event around. That's no exaggeration. Hundreds of developers from around the world come together in Denver, Colorado to get inspired, to meet in real life, to make new connections, get new jobs, hire new developers, and more. More than just code. More than just meeting developers. 360 iDev is the leading indie iOS Mac developer conference in the world. We got a quote. Quote, this event may have been the single best experience I've had in my professional and independent career, believe it or not. From August 21st to 24th, spanning my birthday, the conference runs over four days with over 50 sessions and 40 speakers. Use the code COCOCOMMUNITY, all one word, for 15% off your registration. Go to www.360idev.com to find out more. But I think I've think I said before that this is actually my second favorite conference after WWDC. I love 
I like this one a lot. I went, I went, I actually was one of these people who bought a last minute ticket the first time I heard about it back in probably 2011. Well, this is the time for a last minute ticket. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So no kidding. But uh, yeah, and you know, kind of jumped over there and and it was a great conference. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, because I mean, I was going to the Voices That Matter conferences in Seattle, but they only did those for a couple of years. Oh, sorry, they did them here in Boston and Philadelphia and in Seattle. They had two of them, but they stopped doing them for all, all of a sudden. I think it was uh, the publisher decided not to do them anymore. And there you go. I had to fill the gap with something and 360i dev popped up. And Mark, you've been there before, right? I have. Yeah, it's a good conference. So that's our endorsement, our ringing endorsement for 360i dev. The MTJC stamp of approval. That was me <laughs> doing a stamp. I hope you liked it. Okay, now to the show. To the show. To the show. Is, to the show, is, to the show to Tim. Show? Tim. Yes. Yeah. Is this the show? Okay, Mark. Mark. Yes, sir. Tell me now. I want to hear about Intel being an ARM foundry. I you really do. want to hear about yeah. this. I do because this is big. It, it's it's kind of big. Uh, actually, it may not be as big as it sounds, but but it's still kind of big. Uh, so is we, that a pun? Because it's really little, right? It's ten nanometers little. Uh, oh. That, oh, I get true, it. Uh, true, uh, but oh. that's not what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we, okay. we've talked quite a bit about ARM designs and processors and things like that, and and a little bit about how their business model kind of works where they sell IP and they don't manufacture it. Uh, in fact, they don't make their own chips at all. Uh, they sell IP, which is intellectual property, you know, the chip design, to other companies like Apple and other people who integrate them into their own designs and they're manufactured in foundries like uh, TSMC or, or Samsung. Well, Intel has at various times in their history flirted with being a foundry, but but they're they're mostly a uh, you know uh, run their own designs kind of kind of uh, you know very vertically integrated kind of shop. Uh, well, now they are allowing ARM designs to be run in their foundry, which is kind of an interesting thing uh, because now you can if you're building a chip and it's based on an ARM design, you can run it at Intel and take advantage of their very sophisticated technology and, and processing capability. So. So it is potentially a big thing because now there's going to be kind of three big players. Well, some would say more, but at least three big players in this market, uh, TSMC, uh, Samsung, and, and ARM. There's others like Global Foundries as well, uh, but they're not as big. Uh, and uh, that means there's a lot more capacity. Potentially prices will go down a little bit uh, for the for the equipment uh, makers or who are making the, the chips. Uh, and maybe, you know, that means that uh, there'll be more competition to get the designs more uh, more efficient, more powerful, and it may be good for all of us. Now, the reason I say it's not as big as it might sound is don't get any ideas of, you know, running, um, you know, x86 designs on these things just because it's run at, at Intel. It's it's not like that at all. It's, it's not that they're – it's not that they're uh, – integrating the, you know, the, the Mac chips into an arm or anything like that, like we were, you know, thinking about last time. Uh, it's, it's, this is purely manufacturing play. So Intel can now run these designs that previously you couldn't run in Intel in their factory. So it's big, but it's not necessarily that big from an end-user point of view. Right. It's just diversifying their market. Right? Yeah, exactly. What they can offer. That's right. This is good for Intel, right? But, Probably, uh, yeah. This is, uh, yeah sure. Because otherwise, they seem to be becoming less relevant. 
Well, I don't know that they're becoming less relevant. I mean, yeah, I mean they've they've had some missteps, and 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 sure, the, if the PC market declines, continuing it continues to decline as it has, then yes, the the number of desktop and laptop chips needed goes down, of course, and that's bad for Intel. Yes. And also, is this the first time Intel has been uh, sort of allowing itself to be outsourced as a manufacturer instead of just a designer? No, I don't think it's the first time. They do both. They've they've done it a little bit before, yes. Although they're nowhere near the scale as as the ones who are dedicated to that, like TSMC. Hmm. But it does our, offer them to, to allow themselves to offer their services to Apple or the Samsung. The people who are needing lots of chips in a hurry, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's it's actually really good for a company like Apple, let's say, because now they can second source or third source their designs. And uh, if, for example, if they were only running their design in one foundry, then they're stuck at the whim of that one foundry. If that foundry uh, has capacity issues, or if they have what's called a yield breakdown, where where uh, the, the, there's some manufacturing problem in the fab, and suddenly the chips don't work anymore then the end customer is kind of screwed. But if you have a second source, that makes that problem not as bad because you can always shift over some of your production to the, to the other factory. Now with the third one, even, even better, right? There's even, even less pressure and presumably there'll be some cost competition as well. So it'll be cheaper for Apple to buy their chips from or to manufacture their chips at these different sites. Right. And, and is there any difference in size, like like physical uh, dimensions and things like that, or or components that go into manufacturing a thing? Like it, like would you would people like find a difference in an Intel built chip as opposed to TSMC well, chip? Or? Okay, I'll say I'll say yes and no. Mostly no, because uh, the there's something called the uh, International uh, Semiconductor technology roadmap. I think I'm, I may have that wrong, but, but basically there's a, there's a roadmap that says what each generation of chips are. You know, this one's 10 nanometers, previous one was 14 nanometers. Uh, so everyone's kind of doing the same thing at the same time. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. One is that uh, when, you're, when you're pushing the technology, there's only as far as the state of the art can go. Uh, and there's the equipment vendors like Applied Materials who, who are making equipment that are sort of geared towards those technology nodes. So everyone, all the founders are kind of working on the same technology at the same time. So from a big picture point of view, yeah, the chips ought to work the same. But of course, there's small differences in each in each uh, factory uh, and in each process technology, you know, the actual sequence of steps they use to, to build the technology. So you're going to get slight differences. Uh, and there's you know there's enough checks and balances in the design process that most of those are worked out so you know so if you if you know that this thing is going to run at a couple of gigahertz or whatever it's it's a uh, it's it's pretty much going to be the same from each one although there'll be small differences potentially now my understanding is that historically intel has been ahead of tsmc and samsung in terms of process size uh, that they're now at 10 nanometer, um, whereas the others have typically lagged behind. Uh, reading this article, though, it suggests that TSMC does have a 10 nanometer process. Sure. Yeah. Um, so when, when they say things like that, so Intel generally, historically, yes, used to be kind of the first one out, right, to, with a new technology, and, and the others would lag behind a little bit. Uh, 
but there's but these technologies don't last for just a few months, right? They they tend to last for at least a year, a couple of years. And just because one fab has started offering one technology and the next one comes around to the to the to that same technology six months later or whatever, it doesn't mean that the bulk of the manufacturing is being done at that advanced node from the beginning. So there's a lot of overlap. But yes, Intel historically has been kind of a leader, uh, and they can do that because they've been doing this for so long that they've got a lot of expertise in it. But, you know, TSMC has caught up a lot in recent years. Uh, And being a foundry, there's a disadvantage in some sense that they have to work for anyone who wants to use them, so they have to be a little bit... uh, conservative in their designs but at the same time they see what everyone is doing everything that comes into their fab so they can they can learn a lot whereas intel it's 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 totally uh siloed it's totally totally in, internal so they don't necessarily know what uh what tricks the rest of the industry is playing right hmm. okay so it does it does really feel much more like a uh competition benefit than a technology benefit per yes se. for sure for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you figure, if you have, if you have a particular ARM core, ARM design, that's designed for a 14 nanometer process, let's say, you can't run that in a faster technology or a smaller technology because it won't work. So, right. so if you want to run the same design in multiple foundries, which which is really the whole reason for doing it, uh, then they all have to be pretty much the same. If if one foundry was that much faster than the than the next one then yeah you could take advantage of the of the uh, of the the faster technology by changing your design but that breaks down this whole concept of of leveraging the different foundries and that is why actually yet another reason why intel has been able to be ahead in the past because when they're doing their own internal designs they can design specifically for their advanced technology they don't have to worry about what anyone else is doing right but did you see my follow-up article on the Apple stagnant product lines mostly reflect the state of the computer industry piece? I read that. Did you look at that, Mark, at all? I haven't read that yet. Let me yeah, I just want, I wonder how it relates to what you were just talking about. Because, you know, we're, the, the article goes on to say that basically, you know, I, I think the gist of it is that Apple should stop selling, you know, four-year-old computers. Yeah. But the argument is that, as we've said before on the show, that, that there's a limit to what chip technologies are available and you know whether or not they it really makes sense for Apple just to roll out a a new device with you know a chip that's slightly bumped up for where it was but I wonder how this relates to because I guess Intel is sort of the big uh builders of the Mac chips right like the um Skylake which is an Aaron's computer or the Theon you know uh, well, the point he's making is that you you can look across the last few years, and although Apple has skipped out on certain generations, the differences between generations seems to be uh, more slight as time goes on. Yeah. We've complained about this before, right? I mean, Intel has not been killing it lately, to <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? uh, they, they are not shipping dramatically faster CPUs. Those days are over. Like, we're looking at incremental improvements. So... You know, Apple's Apple's made a mistake, I think, in deciding to skip out on what was it, Broadwell, I think. Oh no, not Broadwell. Uh, Haswell, perhaps, something like that. Uh, I can't remember the names of these. these yeah, damn there's, there's code Ivy names. Bridge, Broadwell, I, and yeah, Ivy Bridge, Broadwell, and then Skylake is the one that's in your little Mac book, I believe. Yeah, no, no, it's actually the one before that because the current MacBook, the the refreshed one, I believe. Oh, oh, I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
be that as it may, I, for, I forgot um, your Mac is old. Right. Very old. It's it's crusty. Be that as it may, I mean, there's just not a huge difference. And so that's the point this article is making is that you look at CPUs, you look at GPUs, and you know progress has not been that great. And so you know when Apple finally does come around with updated machines, like are we going to find that they are dramatically faster than previous? Maybe not. You know, so that's where we're at. And you know we've got <laughs> no one to blame but Intel. And Intel is sort of reaching the level of uh, you know the the end of Moore's law, right? The 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 yeah. far reaches of physics. You can only make light so small. Right. And we're sort of past the point now where where just by making the devices smaller you can get more speed out. You you kinda can't, right? You you kind of reach the the, the close to the speed of light limit that you were just talking about. Um and, and what they're doing now is is playing lots of tricks with making things like um stacked devices, you know, what they call three D layouts instead of just a single planar layout to fit more onto the same chip. Uh, but the communication from transistor to transistor really can't get much faster. So, so they have to play games with, with uh, you know, multiple cores to, to have more going on at the same time as opposed to each thing happening faster like it used to. Back in the days of Intel inside and, and you know every year the clock speeds were going up and up and up, that's when Moore's Law scaling Transistor scaling was was really in its prime, and just by making a transistor smaller, uh, if you think about how a tra- what a transistor is, right? A transistor is kind of a uh, an electronic switch, and the way it works is you apply a voltage, and that turns on or off a, a current flowing through this thing, electrical current flowing through this thing, and within certain limits, if you make the current go a shorter distance, then it takes less time to turn the chip on or off, really, you know, simplifying things. Uh, and if it takes less time for the for the, uh, the transistor to turn on or off, you can make the clock speed faster and faster and make the, make the chip run faster and faster. But at some point, when you get down to the point where you kind of physically can't make these things any smaller, then that switching time is, not, is, is as fast as it's ever going to get. And we're pretty close to that limit right now. So what they're doing now is... is is playing lots of games with with the layout to try to pack the devices in closer to each other. So right. each each one doesn't go any faster, but if they're closer, then in theory you can you can get a little more speed out of it. But you're right. I mean, we're we're kind of past the point where scaling really dramatically increases the speed of these things. And it's the speed of electron. It's the speed of electrons across metal, and not the speed of light, right? Like you're saying speed yeah. of light, but that's not really the speed that we're talking about, right? Well, it's it's actually. They're very closely related. They they almost move the speed of light because it's the not not quite. They don't move quite. They're not no. It's not the speed of light, but but it's it's fairly close to that because it's really not. It's not the time for a single electron to travel a certain amount of distance. It's the time for a series of of electrons that are flowing to communicate with each other and pass a signal down through each other that they that they should be moving. So if you if you think about. Uh, you know, a bunch of billiard balls kind of rolling along, crashing into each other. Well, then the speed that the signal that they're moving passes through is not the same as the speed it would take for one billiard ball to roll the whole distance. Right. Mm. So that just that speed is fairly close to the speed of light, actually. Yeah, physics today. Physics on- today, yeah. <laughs> More than just code. More than just code. <laughs> That's awesome. More than yeah. just physics. 
Yeah, well, that's, that's way better than burritos, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, or maybe chicken. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, speaking of chicken. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it was my segue, man. There you go. But this is a little one. Let's just just get her out there. Let's report the news. Yeah, Why is this FU? That's the question. Well, because we've been talking about Apple Pay for a long time have now. We? And okay, there's actually yes. two, two things about Apple Pay that have just popped up. One is that uh, Chick-fil-A, the fast food place, uh, is now accepting Apple Pay at all, all their uh, branches, which is... Kind of a big deal. There's a lot of them, at least in the U.S. Do we have a Chick-fil-A in Canada? Is that a Canadian thing? I don't all? know. I don't know. Don't it's funny. Know. I always read that as Chick-fil-A. I don't know why, but it's Chick-fil-A, it's right? It's Chick-fil-A. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. Yep. Is that just well, next time, chicken breast? Yeah, it's it's a it's a you know fried chicken sandwich kind of. Oh, like Yeah, it's it's a good. The food is good. Uh, they have kind of controversial politics as a chain, but says who mark sandwich. says who all the polls was that what i was supposed to say yeah exactly. all the polls yeah. all of them all the shows all of them all the shows people all are talking all the about polls it. yeah so mark uh, uh speaking of banks so uh, actually no i guess aaron um because the next piece that mark's going to talk about is is uh has to do with banks but i had heard that uh, pc financial is getting apple pay here we go yeah Pull up a chair and let me tell you a sad story. Okay, so yes, PC Financial Mastercard oh, is now Master- on Apple Pay. Oh my god! Now I do hold a PC Financial Mastercard. Um, I I tried to get it in and I failed. Um, I think I actually ultimately ended up working. I just don't use it. I I try not to use credit cards at all if I can help it. Um, so this doesn't really affect me. <laughs> that's that's the long and the short of it. Um. It's, and it's yeah, been no, healthy either. Yeah, doesn't help me. So I need the debit cards. The, you oh. know, the thing, the thing where I don't have to pay the bank's interest. You know. So what right. are they doing, Tim? Tell me, what are they doing? You I don't know. Bank. Yeah. Well, it's it's <laughs> interesting because I, I had thought about that because you know for a second there I, I almost got fooled by Mark and his persuasive use of Apple Pay and t- saying that you could but you can collect air mile points and stuff like that. You know. Yeah. No, I tend to, I tend to use my debit card my my watch all the time. Right. So. You know, um, yeah, it's super convenient. And actually, so, today my battery ran out of juice, so I was really uh, on my phone or my watch because it wasn't sitting on the stand just right. You know, last night. Hmm. So, but, Tim, yeah. you're still not using Apple Pay? Oh no, no, I use Apple Pay. Oh, yeah, you do? On my okay. watch. On my watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, in fact, I have, I have, um, I have gotten some. Oh my God, that's cool uh, comments from people time to time. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you, like you said, you just asked them if they have tapped pay, and well, it's, it's a lot of places still don't have it, but. Yeah. But anybody who does, is, but is an, more and an more of these days, target. when I ask the question, they kind of look at me and are like, "Of, of course we do. How, why would we not?" What is wrong with you? <laughs> so this is a good thing. So yeah, the other piece of follow up is a real quick one. Uh, there's there's a whole bunch of new banks that are now available on Apple Pay. Uh, I'm looking at a list now. It looks like there's probably thirty of them. Uh, they seem to be. Smaller, more regional banks now, but that's probably because all the big banks are, have been on it for a while already. So it's becoming pretty uh, pervasive. Hmm. And that's good for Apple, right? Yeah. Good. It's good for everybody. Yes, it is. Soon we'll have the chips implanted in our necks and it won't be a matter at all. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. <laughs> Not the injection, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do you want to talk about here? So, well, we've got oh, this. Crap, uh, Mark's got another piece here. Yeah, there's another page of. Stuff. You've got a, like this whole. It's this show is the fu show. It's, it's, uh, well, this it, is where we it, say well, to our listeners, not, "fu." Uh, my other two are not so much. So, well, let's just talk about, talk about this real quick uh, screenshot um, 
because you've mentioned here that you know, I think I think most developers probably got an email the last yeah. couple of days saying yeah. that that Apple's got a new screenshot process. But um, I wanted to because I I think we've talked about a launch kit before. Um, I use it for I was using LaunchKit for some of my products, and in that case, there you upload an image, and you can decide you can upload you know five different screenshots, and they generated for me all the different phone sizes. Oh, I'm sure there are many thing places doing this because when I remember shipping Magpie, and I had as you can imagine, like Mac and iOS, iPad, mm-hmm. uh, lots of screenshots that I had to generate, and I got a um. And I, I honestly have no idea what it is anymore, but it was an app. It was a Mac app. Yeah, I have one too. And, yeah, and, and it let me put little uh, little captions and a background image uh, with the picture of the phone, and then it, it spit out like all these different sizes. Yeah, this is what, and, what uh, yeah, exactly what LaunchKit does. The laborious part was uploading it to iTunes yeah. Connect. Yes. Mm. Yeah, and I think um, Apple has taken care of that with this now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. now they just need to do the same thing for icons, right? Yeah, and the the same the one the Mac app that I used I've actually used a couple in in the past and the current one I'm using is called Asset Catalog Creator. Mm. By do you have a link? Because uh, that actually sounds familiar. I can get a link if you give me a second. No, it must be now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got I've used some uh, Photoshop extensions for that as well to do. Um, right. I mean, there's a bunch of them, right? There's yeah. a bunch of ways that you can do this. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I think hmm. the news here is that Apple's just made it easier to upload. Like, so you can upload a single set, and it'll automatically get processed for all these different. Yeah, because it was it's a major things. pain in the ass. I mean, like I've got one app that's uh, in in eight different languages, so you can imagine I have to do that many shots. And I and I was able to do that with LaunchKit by by you know, um, recycling the my templates right to to do different languages and change yes. the copy that goes with them. I have a friend who works at Mozilla who's. Um, part of the firefox ios team and he obviously has a, he must have a similar process right because uh they don't have eight languages they have like eight thousand, and <laughs> they yeah. got all these and, screenshots and Klingon too yeah, yeah yeah right and he he showed me his process that he put together himself um incredibly effective and you know allows uh them to test as well uh because he can take screenshots of uh pretty much anywhere in the app hmm. um and then and process it for every different language as well so he ends up with like a like a giant PDF document, I think, that has all of these different screenshots. It's pretty wild. So I've just posted the link, and uh, you can check okay. it out on the show notes. Now I have to say there's a caveat now. No, now that I look at the, the, one that at the uh, App Store page, when I bought it, it was a single purchase, and I think it was three bucks or something like that. Now I see they've gone to a free model with mm. in-app purchases, and you have to buy a separate uh, in-app purchase, two ninety nine purchase to unlock the splash screen creation, unlock image set creation, OS ten icon unlock, watch icon creation. Wow! Uh, yeah, lots of uh, <laughs> in-app purchase now. So uh, I don't know. Well, check it out. You know, uh, it works. Uh, but I it's, like the one it's review. A lot more yeah, the one, one Canadian works. review. Yeah. 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 Yeah, one star. Never try it. And the the comment is nothing to do. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oh, actually, that oh, comment bye. is on the Thank American you. store too, the U.S. store as well. Nothing yeah. To so I guess yeah. uh, there's one person who's not a fan of the in-app purchase model. Yeah, but they've, they've yeah. got nearly five rates, five five star ratings, 107 ratings, in Canada. Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to before they changed over the the model. 
Uh, obviously. Yeah, that's the <laughs> all versions. But, and it, okay. it was a good app. And probably still is. I'm not saying it's not anymore, but uh, it, it works well and does a lot. But the price has definitely gone up. I mean, not that they're asking for a lot of money. It's just, uh, right. you know, for every every separate little thing you want to do, there's yeah. a charge. Yeah. That, uh, that feels like a nickel and diamond. Yeah, yeah. That's a nickel and diamond. Yeah, but I wonder if he has, like, one app purchase that's everything, right? What do you got, Mark? I, one more thing that I'm actually really, really pretty excited about. Uh, as you guys know, I'm a big storyboard and interface builder user. Yes. All this app. Yep. Yes. And yes. one of the big problems with storyboards that everybody knows if they've used Don't breathe once, on them. Don't exactly. Breathe on them. Don't even look at it unless they're actually going to do something. <laughs> because, because of the way it... Uh, well, this happened once they, when they introduced Auto Layout, actually. Uh, it's constantly updating auto layout, doing auto layout calculations in the background. So if you oh, even, is that if, what it is? That's oh. what it is. Yeah. If you even ah. open a storyboard, uh, it will change some, you know, check some values or, or or IDs or something in the background of things that you don't really, you didn't actually change, but because it's doing some math in the background, it's always changing these things, and it marks your version control as changed just right. by opening it up. Without doing anything, or just by touching it, just by touching it, yeah. yeah. Which is a real pain if it's a big one, a big file, uh, or if you're if you're collaborating with other people and 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 team members look at just look at the file, suddenly they've they've modified the file, and it's it's a big pain in the neck to sort yeah. some of that stuff out. Yep. Uh, and that's one of the big reasons that people don't use storyboards for collaborative work in a lot of cases. Uh, yes, exactly. For yeah. exactly this reason. Well. Hidden in the Xcode 8 Beta 5 release notes under Interface Builder, or what's new in Xcode, uh, it now says, Interface Builder is much less likely to modify documents on open prior to any user events or manually saving, which is fantastic. Uh, It sounds like they've seen the problem, they've recognized the problem, and done something about it. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, it it does actually follow up and say, if if you still see... Spurious modifications after upgrading documents to the Xcode 8 format, please file a bug <laughs> and attach yeah. the, the Well, document. you are their beta tester, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, but, but at, least, at least they're aware of the problem and they're doing something, which is great. Because I mean, it's, it's been long needed. This has been at least two or three years. So it's been like Yeah, this. Xcode 5, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, but isn't Beta 6, Beta 6 was out or is been pulled back? Beta or? 6 just nope. came out yesterday, I think, right? Uh, Monday. Monday, It was Monday. It was very unusual. Uh, So, yeah, and and a very short. Beta 5 did not last long. Right, right. But Beta 6 has a lot of breaking changes in Swift. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, our team has not yet updated to it. Uh, We're just sort of sitting back and catching our breath from Beta 5. So, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, I think this was the release where they're they're shutting the door on changes to Swift three, and they and they've crammed everything that they could finish in. Yeah. I think this is going to be it. Yeah. So somebody somebody fingers crossed sent out an email saying, "Hey, if you have any changes, get them in now because it's your last well, chance." They, so that actually is exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah that yeah. Latner yeah. said, you know, like this was our deadline. I think it was July twenty ninth. Um. No, no more changes after really? this. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they close the door because you know it's a process, right? Yeah, they have sure. to decide yeah. what they're going to do. So now their sites are oh, set yeah. on Swift four. Yeah, and they have to QA that stuff. QAing language things is going to be pretty tough. So yeah, I so should imagine they need time to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think um, for for developers who are supporting Swift three in Xcode beta, 
um, they uh, they have one more hill to climb, I think, before we uh, we have a stable, whatever that means, Swift 3. <laughs> and along okay. those lines, the, the rumor mill has been saying now that the pre-order day for the iPhone 7 is September 9th, which is coming up soon. Oh, wow. Shipping on September yeah. 23rd. It will be mine, and it will be glorious. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's no, I, well, I, I, I mean, yeah, well. Yeah, we well. Could, we, we could talk about yeah. some of the newer rumors, but we won't bother. Yeah. Um, like induction charging. but um, Induction charging? I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Anyway. Like the watch. Yes, like the Samsung Androids thing for a year at least. Yeah. Or so, you can do it at Starbucks, actually, if you go and use one of their little adapters yeah rogers does this rogers does the same thing here um Mm -hmm. but i do want to talk about this one piece that i saw on ash furrow's feed um he pointed out an article on thoughts on cryptographic engineering Mm -hmm. and this is written again another article not written necessarily by an apple fanboy but it does i don't know if you had a chance to look at it and maybe just take a minute and because it covers off how uh, apple is dealing with icloud keychain which is something mark talked about Last mm-hmm. week, third week before, mm-hmm. yeah, I found the article was actually pretty positive on what Apple's doing. Yeah, it was interesting how the the conclusion is that they um, had to find a, a system that would protect us from them, as it were. I guess um, I love the analogy about how they how they're using the hardware HSMs, what do they call them? Hardware. And I think you mentioned these before. Hardware security yeah. machine. Something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're they're programmable, and yet they, they in order to protect us, they program them, and then they they um, shred the uh, or yeah. the cards through Blender that were yeah the, the code signing. They throw away the code signing keys. So so yeah. once once it's been programmed, it can never be changed again, which is kind of risky because there better not be a bug at that point. If there's a bug <laughs> in one of these machines, they basically yeah. have to throw away all of the user data to fix it. They have to wipe yeah. the machine and start over. It's true. Yeah. So, so here's a question though. I mean, because this is this is a sort of thing. Like, you know, I'm uh, security is one of my big bugaboos, and so is backup, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about this the other day when we were talking about you know my switching over to um, iCloud Keychain, and, and Aaron sort of said it a couple of issues or episodes, many episodes ago, that I'm in for a world of hurt because I use um, my old. Dot Mac account for my iCloud stuff, and I use a different ID for my Apple Store App Store purchases, and for that's my main Apple ID you know, for developing and for running my Macs and my iTunes and stuff, right? Um, so when I switched to when I looked at iCloud Keychain, it wants to it always wants to use that older Dot Mac um, uh, Apple ID. So that's that's one of the reasons why when I was sort of thinking about it after you said that last week, I went back and looked at it, and that was. The stopper from actually because the home kit, I think it's on iOS 10. Yes, the home kit, in order to use home kit, you have to use iCloud keychain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and so, and the only way I can do that is to push the orange button that says turn on iCloud keychain. So that for me was, uh, hey, whoa, wait a minute. Because my concern is like all of my contacts, all my calendars, you know, my photos, everything is synced through that account, and yet all of my other. Know, uh, financial stuff like the stuff I pay for, right? Uh, Apple ID stuff is all on the other account. So, so conundrum. that's your that's your App Store access, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. And and everything on your Mac inside your Mac keychain is is keyed off this other 
Yeah, so all of my iOS devices, and we've got three desktop machines here as well that are all synced off that one account. And Carol and I use the same. We we use the same yeah. account to sync yeah. our our contacts and stuff calendars. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a, a question for a for a, a genius bar uh, genius. <laughs> <laughs> you you do use that term loosely, don't you? Well. It, it, I mean, they they do have access to things that the rest of us don't have access to, you know, information. That, that's so, true, that's true. So, you know, I bet you if you walk in there and play dumb and say, hey, here's my problem, how do I do this? They can probably figure it out. Yeah. I got to think that that's one uh, class of problem that geniuses have to deal with all the time. Yeah. You think? I do, because, I mean, you imagine your, your typical Mac user or Apple user or whatever... Apple ID is something that they're almost everyone is forced to use and to have and doing things like, you know, boneheaded things. Sorry, Tim, but here it is sharing passwords or sharing accounts between two people. Uh, it's not built for that at all. Uh, no, and, no, and I, it's going to cause problems not, down the road, but that's not, no, Carol has her own, her own Apple ID. Don't get me wrong, yeah, but, but I'm not I'm, getting you wrong. I'm just saying that. No, I'm one person with two Apple IDs. That's the yeah, problem. But, yeah, but fundamentally that's no different than if you were two people using the same home computer and you each had your own Apple ID, which is very possible, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, but, well, in that case, in that case, there they've got family sharing, so you can just go and turn on family sharing, and then Bob's your uncle, right? Yeah, yeah just, yeah. just, right. Yeah, just well, being this, a four-letter word, right? This is what I'm saying, though. This is a class of problem that I think is very common yeah. that I'll bet Apple geniuses deal with every day. Yeah, every day. Yeah. Or they have the one guy who's the expert on that that they call in to solve this problem. Yeah, yeah. be that as it may. Yeah, they, someone they used to call Apple consultants nudge nudge wink wink. Right. Uh, yes, I'm, I, oh. I take your nudges and your winks. <laughs> of which I am, or was one? Was, was one. Was. Yeah. Now you're an iOS developer. Well, I was, was an iOS. Okay, Tim. Uh, you so anyway, can, can back to, let's... <laughs> coming back to the, uh, to the article on the crypto, was there anything else to say about it, or? Well, I was, I was, uh, encouraged, uh, when I first started reading it, uh, what he posts at the top are some tweets saying that, oh, this is broken and this isn't secure. And my first thought was, uh-oh, what have I gotten myself into? Uh, and, and then I kept reading, and I was like, oh, actually, it's, it's good. They, they, they've, they've pretty much got a handle on this. So I was happy to, uh, to see that. Yeah, crypto is a challenging, challenging technology. It is. It is. There's more FU, Tim. Yeah, I know. I don't have to cover it all day. Somebody put up here an auction about who, who put this one? Probably Greg, right? Oh, no, the 4Tim, I put that up. Okay, so yeah. why don't you fill us in on that one? Um, well, I didn't actually read, read it. That's why I said it was for Tim. Oh, okay, fun. okay. Well, so, yeah, you posted It's funny because a friend of mine was in New York, and he's a very good photographer, and he took an, another angle of this, this uh, window. TechServe is, I guess, a company in um, New York City, and apparently they are closing down their shop, and they have a huge Macintosh collection of older devices, older computers. Um, you know, they've got, like, Lisa's and... Uh, I'm not even sure what that. Oh, Apple Apple threes I see here, and Apple two, uh, original portable, LC a seven quadra seven hundred, Mac Carlo Classic, a bunch of the original MacBooks uh, they first came out, some uh, power PCs. I, mean, I have a lot of these computers. Sadly, I hate, I hate to say, you know, so I have a cube. So I don't have a clamshell um, uh, lap uh, iBook, but I do have the white iBook that I think Greg talked about last week. Mm-hmm. That's his first Mac. But, yeah, there's a whole whack of vintage Macs for grabs, I guess, if you're going to auction them off, right? 
interesting stuff. So are you going to head down there and see what you can get? No, because like I said, I already have most of the things <laughs> in this window. <laughs> and actually, uh, I think they were also talking about, they've got a picture here of Pablo Picasso, which is probably one of the um, uh, Think Different posters. And I remember at the time when we, when they were available for sale, uh, Carol and I bought a whole uh, two of them. Um, so we have like, uh, you know, bunch of the ones that came out originally and they're still in the tube downstairs in the basement so, mm. so for posterity what is this melted mac do you know what that is no i don't know it's uh mm. probably survived a fire or some type of yeah thing. i wonder if it still works <laughs> well that's what i was thinking too i wonder otherwise it's just a piece of junk <laughs> yeah well i mean the reason why the one side didn't melt is because the whole uh video board it runs from top to bottom on the left one side mm. and the board across the back you know, I've got, uh, I know you have many of these, Tim, but I've got a Mac Classic uh, case in my basement, uh, which I, many years ago, converted into a fish tank, a Macquarium. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's it's no longer a fish tank, of course, you know. That's the thing with fish tanks, is that the fish die, and then you take it apart. And, yeah. Um, you can make it a terrarium, have, yeah. Yeah, you could make it a terrarium. I was thinking about that, too, uh, many years ago. But, uh, you know, what would you do with one today if you had... Like a an LCD display that you could put up in front of you know in the uh, the cutout as it were for the display, um, you could put like an actual other computer in there. Couldn't you could you? even put an iPad screen. Yeah, in that's there. what I was thinking. Yeah, mount an iPad in the screen. Oh, mount an iPad. Yeah, yeah, that's clever. And then you have a touchscreen Mac. Yeah, there you go. That would work perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. You can do all kinds of things though. Yeah. Like even a Raspberry Pi, and you could run some kind of uh, Linux in there. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no the possibilities. People do do that. They do do that. Or you could just run it as is and play your old copy of Castle Wolfenstein on it. Wolfenstein. Well, like I don't have. It's not a Mac anymore. It's unless it were like a Linux machine running Basilisk or something. Mm. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ugly situation. <laughs> and I don't have. The, unfortunately, don't have the keyboard and mouse. Just the just mm. the Mac. But like the classic, like the it's the first Mac you, your dad bought you, right? No, no, no. This is the one that I, I found and oh, bought, okay. um, and it was it was non-functional, so I, I gutted it. Um, so it's the original beige Mac, or yes. or like a five twelve or a one twenty eight or um, plus I, it maybe. Is, <laughs> keep guessing, Tim, and I'll I'll just stand here. Okay. Yeah, it's um, I believe it's a one twenty eight K. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Does it say Macintosh on the back, like a placard? I'm not actually looking at it right now. It's in the basement. Okay. Well, if it does, then it's a, it's a 128. Otherwise, 512 probably. Yeah. At some point, I had I had another one, and uh, I seem to have misplaced it. Yeah. One I li- of them was a 128. I like the original phone. The actual keyboard cable actually uses an RJ11 jack, like a, like a yeah, telephone. Yeah. 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 I remember those. Mm-hmm. Old computers. Yeah. I just pasted in a, a link to um, an ad that Microsoft posted yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. This is in response to Apple's commercial that we talked about last week, right? Oh, yes. The, uh, about the iPad being a real computer? Right. Was that last week? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, weeks ago. two weeks ago. Two weeks. Okay. So this is, I'm sorry, is more FU. However, uh, this is something new. Uh, this is Microsoft's ad uh, where they put the iPad Pro beside a Surface Pro 4. And uh, they talk to each other. Hi, Siri. What's the party for? I just got a keyboard. I'm a computer now, like you. So you have more power? Like an Intel Core i7 processor? Like I said, I just got a keyboard. But you're running full office, not just the app version, right? I don't like where this is going. And what about a trackpad and external ports? Maybe this party thing wasn't such a good idea. 
I, I got a couple things I'd like to say about this. Yeah, first of all, Cortana sounds really good. Cortana sounds like a person, not Cortana. I I don't know if that's actually what Cortana oh, sounds like. Oh, I see, right. Okay. Is, is that what actually, is that Cortana? I have no really? idea. I, have no I don't idea. think it is. Nobody uses it, right? I mean, that's problem number one. Well, <laughs> the other, yeah, well so the thing is, like, I didn't know until you guys mentioned it last week. I think it was uh, you and Greg, perhaps, or maybe uh, that... that uh, the Surface Pro actually runs Windows, like a full OS. Yes, it is. It's it's a right. it's a full on Windows PC, uh, whereas iPad is its own thing, obviously. So, the the one thing that really blows my mind is how Cortana takes Siri to task for running just the app version of, of Microsoft Office, Office. Yeah, yeah. their own goddamn product. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Office is a Microsoft product, and you're mocking this device. For running a, a hacked up version of it, as it were. Hmm. Oh my good lord! Which took you what? many years to get to market. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, like way too many years. Um, so that I just mind blown. So um, I couldn't believe that. But uh, you know, like it makes all these points that I think a lot of people are going to understand, right? Like I don't think uh, people at large get what uh, makes the iPad um, an innovative and, and new direction in computing. Right, so they're going to, I think, be persuaded by the message that Microsoft is sending here. That hey, you know, I can get something that looks like the future, but still is actually the old thing, the old yeah. and busted. Well, one advantage um, of of buying uh, Surface Pro from the Microsoft Store is you don't have to battle the crowds to get to the product. Ooh, Superburn. <laughs> yeah. And they're always in stock, yeah. probably. They <laughs> are always in stock. I tell you though, like I'm not going to deny that I'm I'm I find it a very compelling looking product. Uh, it really is not until you get up to one and start using it that you find the problems. You know? Yeah. Like what? Um. Well, just you know, like the the interaction model. Oh, the typical the, Windows cruft, you mean, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're you're using Windows now all of a sudden. You know, like it's nice looking hardware, but mm -hmm. uh, you use that keyboard and it's kind of crappy. You use the mouse and it's little. It's really the trackpad thing. It's very tiny. Um, yeah. You're you're fighting with the Windows operating system, which is you know. Yeah. I need I say more. I find right. I, well, the, I mean, the market, they're going after the mass market, so they're trying to. They're trying to say, well, is it cheaper? I don't know, but is it more compatible? Like, no, it's definitely not cheaper. Um, I think um, you're going to spend more on a Surface Pro Four. I mean, it's really close. I guess is the point. Like, it's 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 not one is is necessarily cheaper than the other. So, it, like, it, I think a Surface Pro is a serious investment, right? Like, you want that because you're very persuaded that this is like exactly what you're after. Because you can buy a Windows running laptop for much less. Right. Right. Like the Surface Pro 4, I think you're spending like 1200 bucks. It's sort of in the same vein, if, if we're talking about uh, PC hardware, as it were, whatever that means. It means Microsoft. So uh, I was at the Second Cup uh, Monday night, as I usually am, and um, I happened to notice a, a neighboring table, uh, a young woman had uh, what turned out to be a Dell XPS 13 notebook. And... I don't know if you've seen one of these before. They're fairly new. Uh, it was actually stunning looking. It's a very thin and light laptop, but the display is basically edge to edge. Um, there's very little bezel around the screen um, to the edge of the case. And it was, of course, running Windows, but it looked fantastic. Like, it was a great quality display. Um, and with that edge to edge, it just looked so mind-blowing. I was just thinking to myself, I looked down at my MacBook you know, that I was using. And I was like, when is Apple going to do that? You know? And when PC hardware yeah. makes you look enviously, 
uh, away from your MacBook, um, Apple needs to get to work. It was a nice looking laptop. The only problem, of course, with it running Windows. I think there's, uh, you know, obviously a lot of different uh, groups working within these companies, right? So yeah. that's why you end up with uh, these mixed messages. I wonder what the, um, you know, the inside Microsoft, the uh, what used to be called the Mac Business Unit, uh, you know, the people that are responsible for Office, mm-hmm. uh, for iOS, you know, must have thought of that ad. Mactopia, <laughs> I think Mactopia they're called. Oh, well, no. It, it doesn't, that, it doesn't that really knock good. Microsoft's product at all. Microsoft offers... In, in, if anything, it makes them look good. It's like, see, we, we offer a product for whatever piece of hardware you have. Uh, even if you have that, quote, you know, that, that piece of junk hardware over there, we've still got a product for you. So it sort of makes Microsoft huh. look good, right? I don't know. You think, yeah. Well, well I guess that's yeah, that's an yeah. interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I'm on that development team um, at the uh, the Mac iOS development team, Microsoft iOS development team, God, Um I think that commercial would really upset me really? because, I, you know, the I whole, the whole principle, the whole, the whole thing about the iPad version of office is that it's supposed to be just as good. It gives you everything you need. And, you know, here's an official Microsoft channel saying, no, that software is actually crap. That's what it feels like to me. Do they make the claim that it does everything that the desktop version does? Well, I think that's kind of, I can't, can't point to anything here, but you know, when when Microsoft came out with, you know, very recently, right? Like it's only last year or so, um, Office for iOS. Yeah, uh, you know, they, they really did sort of, I, I, as I recall, uh, make the claim that this was something that would give you what you needed. You know, like, no, not every feature, but like, you know how Word is, right? Or, sure. you know, yeah. any of these apps. Um, you know, you, you, you use 80% of it, you know. 90% of the time, <laughs> you know, whatever. No, it's not even that high. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's more like use 20% you, you, of it. Use 20% of it, 80% of the time. There it is, yeah, the 820 yeah. rule. Yeah. Um, and so everything that you need is on there. And so having them, you know, bash it for not having 100%, I think is disingenuous and offensive to the developers who are building the iOS version. I guess. Well, put yourself in their shoes. Okay, so yeah, it, it would annoy me. You're right. Well, I, I mean, we don't know how they how the, it was positioned internally to the to the company. I mean, uh, I don't. I, I sort of doubt that they ever had in mind that they were they were developing something that was on par with the desktop version. That's just kind of crazy, right? They they have, they know that. I, I mean, uh, well, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, it's, I'm not sure it's as much of a knock as it, as as it as it seems. To me, I can, so, I yeah, I can also say that you know now that I work at a mega corporation, that there's a big there's a big distance between the day to day developers and the marketing team and what you see out there in terms of publicity. Oh, you know? sure, sure. No Whereas you know, <laughs> where our audiences, I would think, is mostly you know indie developers who are the marketing arm of their own organization. Right, right. right. So you're, you are the voice of your corporation. I don't know. Let's go to picks. All right, let's do picks. We're there, yeah. So I don't have a pick, Mark. Don't have a pick. No picks. Okay. Wow, am I the only one with a pick? You're the only one with a pick. You're the pickmeister. I hope pick you have. I hope you have four picks for today. No, I'm. I'm not like some chump like Jaime or Greg. No, no. I I honor. I honor the spirit of the pick of the week. Right. Spirit, because that's what it's all about. And the the problem here is that I can't speak with a whole lot of authority about this. Um, let me set it up. 
a couple weeks ago, Steve Strezza, who's a developer at oh, I used to know this. Well, he's a he's a well known iOS developer. <laughs> now he works at a company, and he's um he's he's teased that he was working on a tool to uh, assist in auto layout. And this very evening, this very evening, it came out. It's called Relayout. Mm-hmm. Link is in the show notes. It's a GitHub project, and it includes a video, <laughs> a video describing the problem and the solution. Mm. So uh, you can read that or watch that, rather. Uh, it also includes a fair amount of documentation around why you have it, the problem that it's solving, and kind of how it works. Now, the, my understanding from having kind of breezed through this while I was not talking, this podcast, is that it is intended to work with code-based uh, auto layout constraints. And what it does is it's a very simple protocol that you attach to a view or a view controller. And you provide methods that describe the layouts that you want to have for different states. And this is like the biggest problem that I think this tool is trying to solve. When you are doing typical auto layout on a, say something fairly static, um, it can be fairly easy to describe um, and, and work with using interface builder, for example. But when you have multiple different states that can happen to a layout over time, say as features get added and your layout becomes much more dynamic depending on the program state, um, the auto layout constraints can become very difficult to manage. And so Relayout is intended to provide sort of a very simple way to um, uh, functionally describe uh, constraints for given views. And so um, every time a layout changes, uh, what this protocol helps you do is throw out all the old constraints and then reapply them. And so that's basically mm. what this is doing here. Um, so uh, that's about as far into it as I can get right now uh, with it having just arrived as we were recording tonight. Um, but you can check out the video. Uh, it's available as a CocoaPod or a Carthage. Uh, what do you call a Carthage thing? A Carthage thing. And <laughs> um, you can start uh, experimenting with it in your own projects. Ruby. Ruby, yeah. The, the 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 one downside that I see to this, uh having just, you know, again, just looked at it, is that uh to use this I think you have to not use auto layout in a storyboard or, you know, nib file. Um which I would have a problem with. But uh again, it it seems to be m- much more for the case where you probably wouldn't use the storyboard anyway um to to do the constraints because uh you're dealing with a lot of different states. Okay, check it out. That's what we're here for. We're here to we're here to point fingers at things, and uh, that is one. There's one of the things we're pointing our finger at. Yep, that's exactly right. So, yep. good to go. Our work here is done, Tim. Our work. All right, Aaron. So, if people want to find you so, on the interwebs, yeah. where would they look? Go to where shall we go? Let's hmm. go to Twitter. Okay. At Aaron Vay. And Mark, if people want to get a hold of you, Mark R at Snapsoft.com. Right, and as always, my name is Tim Matera. I am T-I-M-M-A-T-R-A on Twitter, and that's the best ways to find me. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay, this is the part where we say goodbye. Oh, bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes for each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website. And if you can, please write a review on iTunes. 
If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. Uh, killing sure. a product, I think, is 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 nice to have. Okay, um, give her a, like a little. Um, what, what's the word for it that begins with EU? Eulogy, uh, <laughs> eulogy for Magpie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't selling. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to, right? So you know, when I looked at my numbers, and it's like, oh, I sold eight copies last month. Um, that's not very interesting, and uh, probably not worth my time to support. Um, and I know, like, we've talked about this before, Tim, but like you and I have sort of different <laughs> approaches yes. to, um, to supporting old apps. And, uh, if, if an app isn't uh, working and I don't see a path for it in the future, I'm going to kill it. Um, so that I can give all of my focus and attention to whatever's next. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't claim that to be the right way or the only way, uh, that's my way. So this weekend I, I wrote a little blog post. Uh, about my failures right um and so i just wanted to sort of lay out uh, all of my attempts to to do something successful and 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 show how they didn't work out and and why um and and as i was writing it i was thinking to myself boy this is depressing but then i was thinking you know i've actually come out of this with some a recipe if you will for what a successful app might look like and that's how i finished it so Mm-hmm. Um, I've got sort of four points that I had at the end that I uh, decided would uh, make up what a successful app might look like. And uh, so that's what I'm trying next. Hmm. Not with a ton of hope in my heart, but I still enjoy programming. Well, why don't so... you go over the four points? Since you... Okay, so my four um, points about what makes a successful app. Uh, one, something that's for a niche. Uh, because one of my problems was that I was targeting all of the people. Like Magpie is a good example of that. It was for anyone who wanted to watch a video. There's no way to reach that crowd of people um, with any kind of efficiency. Uh, the second one is something that pays via subscription because uh, charging once uh, doesn't work. And in at purchase, I, I find creepy for reasons that we've discussed on this very show. Yeah, yeah. Another one is something that relies on your own web service so that you control your own infrastructure. And this is because of the Thread1 app that I did a year or so ago, which failed because app.net failed, (laughs) on which it was based uh, within months of my launching. Oh, I see. Right. Yes. And the last point is something that you need yourself, because uh, if you're not interested in the product itself, you're not going to continue developing it, no matter how uh, keen you are on it. And day one, uh, you will not maintain the keenness as it were. Mm-hmm. So those are the four points. Um, and I was working on a, a project. Somebody asked me on Twitter, a, a listener, and uh, said, so what about the super secret project that you were talking about a while ago? Um, that only ticked three of these four boxes. I won't tell you which one it didn't tick. Uh, but uh, the thing I'm working on right now ticks four. So I'm going to give that a shot and see what happens. All right.
so I thought that was worth bringing to the <laughs> listener's attention. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like, because um, I, I was looking at some of my products that are still in the store that, you know, to be honest, I guess I'd forgotten about them. And I know there's this new uh, ugly uh, message that shows up on your app if uh, you run it on iOS 10 beta. It says this app is not using 64-bit code. Oh, the 64-bit. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, have you not seen that more? Mm. No, I, well, I haven't installed iOS 10 on my devices yet. Well, see, one of my favorite apps is one of the apps I bought um, when I first got my first um, iPad, and uh, this is from a developer I'd met at at, at one of the conferences back in uh, Seattle in 2010. Yeah, and he's not making the app anymore. He's actually pulled it from the store, but uh, I still use it every day. So, hmm. yeah, it's a uh, stores. Uh, well, it was one of the first apps that would store PDFs and you know, you know, eBooks and EPubs and stuff like that. And and it was and it has a, a Wi-Fi network sharing thing, uh, which I really liked. It's called Air Sharing, by the way, for those of you. Oh, driving. I used to, yeah. For I used those of you driving in your cars, but yeah, the developer who uh, he he makes a, a like a he uses and his main product is called Air Display, which is a, uh, like an extension, I guess, like a second. Avatron. Yeah. Yeah, Avatron is the name of the company. Yeah, second screen for your uh, I/O or for your Mac, a desktop, right? So you can use your iPad as a as a second screen or phone or whatever. But yeah, air sharing is a product I you know recommended to just about everybody I know who has one of these devices, and I use it for my sheet music when I'm playing, and I use it to store my books when I want to read them. You know, so I, like any any book I get on PDF, I just throw it in here, and and I can surf over to my Mac and. You know, pour through my pour through my Mac and find you know files and stick them on there and copy them over. It has had some. I think there are some issues with the app, but you know, uh, you know, it's like a like a, a, a comfortable sweater. You don't want to necessarily throw it away because it still does meet ninety eighty percent of your needs. Let's put it that way, right? <laughs> you know, so the odd bug here and there doesn't really bother me that much. So, as it would, you know, somebody would give it a three star rating or something for that, and that's maybe why he took it off the store. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Well, there yeah. You go. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, you know, like I said, I, I built different apps for different reasons, and I look at them now and and I wonder now, am I really going to have the time to go back and refactor them all and get them all up and running? And what what should I do with them? Right. So. Yeah, yeah. I've I've spent some time trying to get the old apps into shape using storyboards and yeah, whatnot, and it's a lot of work actually. Yeah, well, like I said, I might, the one app that I'd sort of given up on a couple of years ago turned out to be the one app that people are interested in. And so I took uh, some time. I've always sort of kept it up to date in terms of new features and things like that or keeping it compatible with the current OS. But uh, last year, I took the time to refactor it with storyboards because it uses a split view controller. And then right out of the box, I got multi multitasking and all that kind of stuff when I switched over to the new stuff. And mm-hmm. there's a little bit of refactoring to be done on on the app itself and people have asked me to make a mac version of it to so that for compatibility and for importing features but mm-hmm. yeah so but there's a couple of other there's a game there's a game i wrote years ago that i'd love to be able to do in, in uh, sprite kit but oh, have, have, squad yeah i just haven't got around to it yet so yeah. i was actually looking at um coco the people at coco's 2d have actually uh, there is a 64-bit version of it now, and I've actually gone through the process of of updating it to that. Um, so, but I have I'm just in the process of testing right now because it, it, I got some odd performances on the simulator, but it seems to work fine on the devices. So, I need to put it up there and test it before before iOS 10 ships and I get that big ugly, you know, this is not compatible with mm. 64-bit code. You know? But that's a little thing, like you know, 
depending on the path you go in when you're developing something or what dependencies you have, um, you may find down the road that uh, you uh, get painted into a corner. Right? Hmm. No kidding. Yeah. Asset catalogs. You know that now you can you can upload vector art. You can upload one yeah. vector art into your yeah. asset catalog, and it'll generate all the air icon sizes. Yeah, apparently. it's actually pretty cool. I haven't done it, but I saw it at WWC. They were talking about it. Oh, yeah. with it? Yeah. Well, so yep. so my device tracker icon is is just a thing I did because I, I started using Illustrator years ago to do artwork for iOS. I was really using Photoshop because you know you think oh well it's Photoshop and you can rescale it and stuff like that, but. But I was finding I was getting much cleaner resizing if I used Illustrator, you know, using vector art, right? Mm. But now if I can just bring that vector art right into uh, into, uh, into acid, acid catalog, is, is that only, that, but that's not new. That's been working for a while, right? I don't know when they actually introduced it, but they were definitely talking about it at WWDC. Mm -hmm. At one, well, you know, it might not have even been this year. They, they all kind of blend together at this point. Yeah. But at some WWC, I was watching one of the videos, and they were talking about it. I remember that. <laughs> Actually, speaking of something else that I want to talk about on the show, but I forgot. Um, yeah. Good thing I'm still taping, by the way. Um, is uh, I saw an article on, I think, um, but it was how to make your... I've, I've had to make my own templates before, because um, when I was teaching from the uh, Big Nerd Ranch book, right, a lot of their, their um, tutorials start with the empty template. Remember the empty template? Yep. Yep. Right? Well, they don't have the empty template in Xcode anymore. Oh. So there's a couple of people online. I have a copy of it, right? I made a copy of it to use, and I load it myself, right? That way you can you can still create uh, an empty template. But it was an article on how to make your own templates for Xcode, right? So if you had, like, maybe load your own dependency libraries or whatever, or anything you particularly so, like. Actually, in iOS 10, it looks like it's back, but not under iOS. You have to go over to cross-platform. Oh, really? And under other, yeah, it, it, there's an empty. Huh. Let me see what it does when you open it. Let's see. Like, it used to just create, a uh, like, nothing. It didn't even give you a storyboard or anything like that, right? Yeah, let's see what, what this does. Yeah, that does exactly that, just empty. But what kind of project is it, though? It's I'll give you can a, choose whatever you want, right? It's an, yeah, it's an empty project file. <laughs> That's it. It doesn't even have a main. Oh, really? Well, yeah, yeah. it's Swift, right? So. Uh, did I set up for Swift don't got no main. Well, I'm not sure I chose Swift, actually. It did, and there was no option to choose a language, actually. Mm -hmm. It's really empty. I mean, when they say empty, they're not kidding in this case. Yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.